0: Comment, and share. Hey, good evening, everyone. It's CJ. Hopefully everyone having a fantastic evening or morning, depending upon where you are. Uh, Very excited to be doing a live stream. It is Tuesday evening, October the 19th, and I'm here with Alex Hills, who has just been just phenomenal with her work that she's doing with Candles for Assange. I've had Alex on before, uh, previously discussing uh, Julian Assange. And we've been coordinating and getting uh, in touch with her to give us an update. So, Alex, with all that being said, welcome back. Thank you for everything that you're doing to help Julian, uh, all the work that you're doing. So thank you for being here. Uh, We really appreciate it
1: it's a pleasure um thank you so much for having me on again it's so hard to get the word out through the algorithm silo so uh good afternoon from new zealand everyone
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's you know yeah it's evening or afternoon your time and the next day and everything getting everything coordinated uh want to welcome everyone tuning in on the chat so uh thank you for being here uh this uh this this evening or morning and if you have not done so yet do me a favor uh there's a couple of important uh, Twitter handles that you can you can follow and stay up to date with all the information related to Julian. Uh, the the first and the primary page is Candles for Assange, and that's over on Twitter. And there you can see all the events that are being posted uh, around the globe, including you know here in the United States. And then also uh, with Alex, you can follow her on her Twitter handle. Uh, which is is um, under Alex Hills uh, as well. So, um, Alex, I think it's um, important for us, and we were having a little bit of chat before we hit the live button, just everything that's transpired, and I'm just still kind of dumbfounded that we're still in this, that Julian is still in this predicament in regards to potential extraditing to the United States with all the revelations, everything that has came forth in regards to the massive injustice that took place, you know, with him. Uh, we see the toll that it's taking on him, not only with with his health, but his family. Alice, can you bring us up to speed in regards to things that have, have happened and then also, you know, currently where it is in terms of the uh, potential being extradited to the United States. I know that's a lot to chew through. So take your time, Alex.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I assume your viewers, having watched your show a lot, I'm assuming they're fairly up to date with the general case. But um, when the hearing started back in February 2020, before COVID, um, we actually had about 55 cities doing regular weekly and fortnightly protests around that hearing time. We had Amnesty come on board two days before the trial, typically. Um, We had A lot of noise being made out there. Um, But what we did hear about Julian was that um, he had been tortured to the point where he couldn't even remember his own name um, during that February trial. Um, He was handcuffed and woken up all night and moved from room to room. Later on this year, now we're getting into the appeal hearings um, and the decision back in January. Um, The most recent one um, horrifyingly, many journalists who were there in the um, virtual sort of courtroom, they didn't even recognise Julian when he came on. They they just didn't recognise, he looked too old. And this is why uh, doctors um, for Assange and lawyers for Assange and I, pr- I think about 30 press organisations recently have just come out saying he should be released, particularly in light of two recent releva- revelations one being that their chief star witness, an FBI-alleged informant, um, not only as a paedophile who defrauded, you know, many, many companies, including WikiLeaks, he'd been done for um, pretending to be Julian Assange, um, assaulting young boys, um, and uh, this was their star witness. Um, now, this came out in Stendon in Iceland, um, very good journalist there has um, you know, interviewed him, and he retracted his entire testimony. So, really, the only possible way you could argue anything other than this is, a, this is a journalist being persecuted was that they were laying on these sort of hacking stories. Now, the hacking came about partly because of this Ziggy uh, false testimony, but also partly because he was trying to protect Chelsea Manning, Bradley mm-hmm. Manning at the time, just by um, accessing information that she had classified access to but just simply trying to do it on a different account and password just to keep her identity private. And if protecting sources in this world right now, when it's in the public interest to reveal the information is a crime, then we're in real trouble. Um, Not only that, we've got all the issues. It's not really just about Julian. Um, Whatever you happen to think about him, this is about um, a chilling effect on journalism. And we can see that now. I, I sometimes wonder whether Julian was silenced because of COVID because of what was about to transpire. Um, couldn't have a very powerful vocal voice that both sides of the spectrum listened to. It just, it just wouldn't have done, I think.
0: Absolutely. And actually, if
1: you hear him speaking in his very last known video interview, I highly recommend fast forwarding even just to the very last question. And then you will see how much Julian knew about what was about to roll out. And um, I, I think it's very interesting that people go and check that out on Rutley his last known video appearance and go to his last question. I think that will uh, make a lot of sense to people um, in this current context now where we're at where if Julian had a voice, I think we'd be in a different place right now.
0: Yeah, very, very well said, Alex. I mean, to think that the primary witness, the the number one person that made the accusations in regards to quote-unquote Julian asking him to hack computers, which was an absolute lie, admitted admitted to this and say, no, I, I, you know, I lied. And it was, you know, primarily his testimony that was led to everything that's transpired up to this point. And let's also remember, go ahead.
1: Sorry. I was going to say, in fact, the, the original um, argument that Julian was even slightly a hacker actually came from when he was in Australia as a teenager, he helped the police there, uh, the AFP in Australia find pedophiles using his hacking. So Um, Yes, he was a very IT literate and and fascinated by the idea of being able to create a Dropbox for journalists that was private and encrypted. Um, And I think we can all see he's revolutionized journalism and, um, you know, the testimony to that is all the awards, international awards um, that he's been um, given. So, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to add that about the hacking.
0: Well, absolutely. And then then one of the most famous videos that recently – you know, Julian appeared was was a, a, an actually a dated a video from him when he completely exposed what was happening in Afghanistan. And I don't want to I don't want to go too far off topic, but yeah. it was it was it was him exposing what exactly was taking place. The fact that you know Afghanistan was basically being you know utilized as a money laundering event, right. you know, from from the corporations to the or government to the military industrial complex to you know, where the money was going and everything. And he exposed all of that. And that's the reason that he became such a large target. And then when he, whenever he formed WikiLeaks and created the Dropbox for, you know, for for journalism, for whistleblowers to have a vehicle for their information to come forth and do so privately. And not only that, exposing the entire Vault 7 and, and you know, just yeah. so many things that 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 he exposed that, that have been true. I don't think that anything that WikiLeaks has put out has been, Redacted or no? It's been shown fifteen to have years, almost
1: now. I, I believe it's fifteen years that they've been publishing, and uh, never been a single retraction. No, and yeah. I think yeah. yes, in terms of Pompeo and his assassination um, investigations into Julian, how they could assassinate him, I think that that was as a direct result of um, Vault Seven. At least a lot of um, commentators believe that.
0: Well, yes, mm. yes, and and so you know, and and I believe even here recently. This article is dated as of October seventh, but the key witness in FBI case against Assange held in custody to stop his crime spree in Iceland. So here is this this individual that again was a is a is a no, noted liar, uh, lied in his testimony regarding Assange, and now is basically uh, potentially under criminal indictment for crimes that he still continues to commit in Iceland. I mean, all of these things, I mean, you, you, you cannot make this stuff up, Alex, you cannot, it's just. It's
1: like a cry for help from him. Wasn't it? I mean, I, I don't know what, 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 what possessed him to, to finally own up to this, but I mean, it just seems like a damaged individual. Doesn't it really, really damaged. Um, it does. You, yes. You do yes. For someone like Julian and, and cause such horror for your own potential kids or family, you know, it just seems ridiculous.
0: Yes. Mm. And, and one thing that I, I do want to share is um, a video of you and in, in which, you know, you delivered a a, a speech, rogue speech and to the um, I believe it was the British High Commissioner and the government. And I believe this actually got was it removed or banned? Something happened with this uh, with this yeah. video. Uh, so, wow. Yeah, a lot that?
1: of things happened. <laughs> <I'm> yeah. <sorry. laughs> um, yeah, so we were doing a, a protest on World Press Freedom Day and we got wind of this uh, breakfast going on at the New Zealand Parliament in the morning in that very fancy room there. And we sat through a conference about World Press Freedom and not a single mention of Julian Assange or WikiLeaks, of course. I mean, the Canadian um, High Commissioner was actually in the audience sitting next to me um, and they didn't know who we were, but my friend was poised with the mobile phone. And it's a bit bad sound, but that's why I put the, the subtitles on. Um, yeah. What you have there is an, a local MP, um, you have one of the mm, biggest mainstream media journalists in New Zealand, Hover O'Brien, you have the British High Commissioner cheering it, you've got a guy called um, Richard Harlan, I think, from Politic website, Politic with a K website, and then you've got an academic called Andrew Landley there. Um, and I basically jumped up when I realized they weren't going to ask any questions of the audience and I just Mm -hmm. started ranting at them and I'm afraid I did it very quickly because I, I got wind that they were trying to, to get me off and it was all being live streamed and everything. So, um, they were trying to get me, so I was trying to get the words out as quick as possible, but unbelievably the high commissioner whispered something to Richard Harlan, who then turned around and said, oh yes, of course, uh, you know, um, The Guardian editor Luke Harding has said that he's not a journalist Um, (laughs) and, you know, nonsense stuff and it was just a a waffle and then they excused themselves and I I did a bit more retorting Um, and then they moved on. So they just weren't interested in covering it. But then it got translated in about three languages and philosophers and socialists and World Social, WSWS wrote about it. And then years later when all this censorship was happening, um they were taking down all the trump people i remember the ws ws and seg the socialist equality groups they were they were cheering for that and then the week later on the 23rd of january we all got taken down i think they felt that they wanted to take down the left and they mistakenly assumed i'm a lefty Mm -hmm. um and they took me down with world socialist website so it was either that or it was my outspokenness uh during the current crisis. i I don't know which one it (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, let's let's play this so that our audience um, understand exactly your your actions and 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 hats off to you for 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 doing this um, all kinds of courage displayed. So so let's play this.
1: Uh oh, no sound.
0: Did you say there's no audio coming through on it?
1: I couldn't hear it. Okay,
0: Okay. let me, maybe I didn't do this right. Give me one second. Sometimes whenever I'm live streaming solo, it's a little bit more challenging um, to do this. So let me do this here. Bring that back in. And I very well may have forgot to click on share audio. Okay, let's, let's play this from the beginning. Here we go. Sorry about that. Just takes, it just takes a minute for the items.
1: focused on lies in the social media, but not those in the sense. I want to point out the brazen hypocrisy of World Press Freedom Day being hosted by the UK government at this dark time. Julian Assange is being persecuted by war criminals and the corrupt that he exposed. Are still sitting in positions of power in government on both sides <laughs> of the aisle as well as in much of the media. Imagine the president Trump's that any country could extradite any foreign journalists Or publisher and making subject to draconian laws, possibly the death penalty, just because they publish truth about the government's war crimes. Imagine if that's safe case in Saudi Arabia. We call on the world media to stand by their award-winning colleagues and Nobel Prize, Peace Prize nominee, end the smears and lies about an anti-war hero. You want to know how to get people trusting media more? Tell the truth. Stop delivering a one-sided, sanctioned, government-sanctioned narrative. That is what is going on. Thank you. not, I Publisher.
0: Well, the and has done quite a lot on this, and concluded
1: not. And their story on Manafort was a disgrace. Well, what about free speech? We were just talking about that. We are talking
0: about.
1: Well, well thing I know the mention Julian
0: What a shame. Yeah. What an absolute yeah. shame.
1: <laughs> but what was rather pleasing was it got really picked up on Twitter as well. Um, you know, hundreds of thousands of impressions and then Christian Haffrenson um retweeted and ripped the british high commissioner's <laughs> new one um frankly uh, it was great to see so there was a, a lot of publicity about that and it really i think it did mitigating some damage with any luck
0: <laughs> yes yes indeed yeah. and and part of the conversation and you know other revelations that came forth was in regards to uh and this was probably by far the most um i guess you could say in terms of attack on free speech, attack on um, the ideas of, of the even even, you know, the Constitution here in the United States and what happens. And that's the fact that it became known that there was an actual plot that came forth by the intelligence op- operations, the CIA to either to kidnap or flat out just assassinate Julian uh, while he was in the, the embassy uh, as as uh, you know, having basically you know political asylum during that time period, but yet we were, the United States was willing to violate all type of international laws to do this. Um, very just just crazy, Alex. That that this was mm. going to happen.
1: And even before all this happened, we had all the spying, and as is being heard in a in, in a Spanish court about UC Global constantly spying even on his toilet to the point where I think his partner and him set up a tent in the embassy on the floor for some privacy, because everywhere was was bugged. And I think you might remember Cassandra Fairbanks went there. I did a video on my channel, Alex Hill's channel. Um, Cassandra Fairbanks also wanted to warn him, and they were trying to talk, and they had to sort of put the white noise on and pass notes to each other and all that sort of stuff just to get the message across. Um, so his legal privilege, you know, we already know he had no legal privilege, no allowance to meet with his lawyers. I mean, complete isolation, torture, persecution. I mean, it really, it it doesn't get better than this, you, you know, and they call out Russia and China for their terrible Saudi Arabia for their terrible practices. But look, it's the same, isn't
0: it? It, it is the same. And I think in the event where we currently are, where people, there's such a large distrust in in quote unquote the 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 because for the most part the attack on uh Julian is is attack on the the entire uh sector of, of journalists and investigative journalists who were exposing a lot of the things that, that's taken place and from there it's just it's just escalated there's been no recourse in terms of what's happening in in the mainstream media and that's why the efforts to help Julian is just so important because this speaks volumes as to more than just an individual. It, it impacts all of us in terms of, of, of freedom of speech, in terms of, of journalism, who historically have been really safeguarded as far as any type of, of prosecution. And now to witness the how this has been elevated so much to the point now where there is a risk that in the event that, that Julian is extradited it's basically a death sentence. In the event that Julian is extradited to the United States, it's basically a death sentence for him. Um, the the way I look yeah. at it and many others yeah. as well, Alex.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it really does seem like a bit of a globalist desire to start, you know, applying law across the world, you know, to anyone you want. And that is also the other scary part. There are so many scary parts. I mean, what's lovely is the change of attitude. I mean, when I first did this in 2018, You know, you get the odd feminists spit at you, or I'm an elderly guy get upset about classified information and state secrets. You get the occasional hate, really, and not very much, not many people would know about Julian. And then we were recently doing a billboard over the motorway, and we had practically every five cars. It was a holiday time, so there weren't many, many cars on the road, and they were tending to be sort of holiday traffic. But we got so many beeps. We got like, you know, Every five, six cars, there was something, either a wave or something. It was amazing. And so I'm really noticing that that is changing. If people still feel badly about him, they're certainly not saying it publicly anymore, yeah. which is is lovely to see. And also all these wonderful world events. We got set back with the COVID thing. We were doing so well. Team Assange was sort of listing. That's not anyone, by the way. That's not, No one's taken ownership of Team Assange. That's just expressing all the groups out there that are working so hard but a lot of the a lot of the supporters suffer from being very isolated not only by the algorithm but there seems to be a direct attempt to try and not get your information to local people so i'm not very good at getting people to wellington to a protest you know i can get to 2030 maybe um it's not my eh? forte but um yeah it, it feels like there's a sort of generalized kind of disinformation people co-opting there's all sorts of stuff going on in every city and it's um that's what makes it very challenging to get beyond the sort of handfuls of people that we're seeing
0: yes and indeed and if if you don't mind Alex if you could uh bring us up to speed in terms of the next key dates and in terms of of the courts there in the UK um uh, what are those dates and then also right. I can do I can I can also share screen a little bit as well in terms of some of the events that are that it will be taking place around the globe as well so could you could you bring yeah,
1: us up well, to uh, last time i counted i think it was about 60 <coughs> events around the world in as many as 39 cities 14 countries um we are sort of doing a series of events over the whole week because a lot of people are already doing weekly protests so we're sort of fitting them all in um starting on the friday sydney and melbourne um the main protest i think because people are around on the weekend is the 23rd on the saturday Um, And then that's literally in, I don't know, probably about 20 cities already on that day. Then um, on the 24th, unfortunately, I don't know if you've heard, but Netflix are airing a documentary, Smear, an old one, which Mm. will say that he's a Russian agent and that he's a rapist and all this nonsense. Um, They are um, intending to air that at midnight, well, Sunday. So I guess late on Saturday. Um, And that's Pacific Time. Um, midnight, which means that New York is 3 in the morning, um, London is 7 a.m., Europe is 8 a.m., I'm uh, 8 p.m. And, uh, yeah, so what we were hoping to do was go outside. This is an idea by Rose McGowan, actually, who was live streaming with us the other day. Um, this was her idea is to live, real-time debunk the smear outside their headquarters in every single country that we can. Um, I think we've got Mexico, we might have Paris, Um, We have Los Gatos, which is the main headquarters. Then there's Mm. Los Angeles, Um, London, Berlin, Amsterdam, Paris. Um, Sydney has an office, but I haven't found it yet. Um, And then I found the little local office here in Wellington. So we're going to try and hit that during the live broadcast. Or worst case scenario, we'll do an online broadcast with all those countries and the people, and we'll do some other action that's at a better time because obviously midnight it, it's not a great time to protest all around the world unfortunately but yes. um, yeah that